Welcome to this very special Boca Lead live stream. It is so good to be with you. Normally, we're off in the month of July, but just with everything going on, we wanted to spend a little bit of time with you today. We're going to get to tell you about a great event that we have coming up next month, and you're going to get to hear a great talk from Pastor Bill that you will be so glad that you heard. Normally, we start with a meal here at Boca Lead, and we pray over that meal. We're not doing that today. There's nobody here in the room, but I'd still like to pray over our time and our city together now. God, we thank you for this great city and this great community that we're a part of, and we thank you for the gift of leadership, and we thank you for the influence that you've given all of us in the various places that we serve and work and lead. I pray that you would guide our time and and in all the different things going on in the world and in our community, that you would give us wisdom and strength to do the right thing, to act with grace. And we just thank you for the opportunity that we have. Thank you for leaders all over South Florida. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So good to have you on our live stream today. And, and as our Boca Lead team has been thinking and planning and watching and listening and waiting, we've been looking forward to what our fall plan might look like. And we're going to get that to you as soon as we can as we get closer to the fall. One thing that we do know for sure is that we're hosting a great event next month on August 6th and 7th that kicks off our Boca Lead year. And it is the Global Leadership Summit. This is going to be a great event that's going to be offered in person or online, and we're excited to share it with you today. Take a quick look at this video. We live in unprecedented time. Words like social distancing and stay-at-home orders are now part of our vocabulary and everyday language. Most of you, you're not just thinking about your job, but all of the jobs of the people that you lead. And the weight of leadership right now that you feel is enormous. Leadership is about having vision to see things differently to everyone else. The opportunities and the obstacles facing our world today are crying out for healthy leaders. The role of leaders is to do the hard work in ourselves so that we can inspire and equip others. There's lots of things that only the leader can do, and if the leader doesn't do them, nobody else will, and they're hard, and that's why you became a leader. The biggest challenge facing leaders all around the world right now is how to make people feel that tomorrow is worth living for. The normal ways that you connect with your community, they need more of that right now, and they need a structure it's up to, to it. us. And so we can't look at the next person and say, well, it's their responsibility. This is not the first massive crisis in the history of the world, and it's also not going to be the last. And I just want to remind myself and say to you all, we will get through this. We will get through this. We know that many of you as leaders are asking, how, how do I lead at a time like this? What do I, I'm, I'm very just tired and I'm not sure where we're headed. One thing that we know is that leadership is influence and everyone has influence. You have influence. You have the ability to lead people through difficult times. And one of the things that we're excited about the summit is that the summit gives 
actionable content so that you can be inspired to proceed, to keep leading in various times. That's why we're hosting the summit. And there's two ways that you can participate. You can participate in person if you'd like. We're going to be in our big sanctuary on the other side of the road uh, from where we are right now in the dining room. We're going to be socially distanced. There's going to be plenty of space for you to spread out across the sanctuary. And if you don't want to be in person with us, you can be online. We're going to have it all streamed to whatever device you want to watch it from in your home, in your office, in your conference room, whatever the case may be. There's going to be some interactive chats, some breakout sessions. If you want to participate in that online way, you can register today and then decide later how you want to participate. So you can register at bocasummit.com or you can register right now for $169 by June, by July 21st. And then if you buy two or more tickets, you get $20 off of that. So it's $169 by July 21st or $149 for groups of two or more. We know that this event has changed the trajectory of people's lives and their leadership. We're so excited to host it for this third year in a row. And we know that you, if you join the hundreds of us that will be there, you will have a great time. And we look forward to hosting you either in person or online. Go to bocasummit.com. We're going to continue our time and hear from Pastor Bill. So, Pastor Bill. Thank you, Cameron. And it's good to be with you here in July. And usually we're not together in July. We take July and then off, and then we come together in August at the Global Leadership Summit and then start back Boca Lead in September. And we're going to do all of that. But I didn't want to wait a couple of months before I spent some time with you. We've been talking about the COVID crisis and the whole issue of quarantining and the issue of um, health issues, economic issues, humanitarian issues. And who would have thought there's another whole issue that has come upon our country, and it's the issue of race, race and racism. And today I'd like to talk about a personal response to race. How can we, you and me as business leaders and people in this community, be a force for good in this community. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today. So I've brought up some chairs with us, and we have them here, three chairs that are here in a little triangular. And so we're going to start with this chair. There are a group of people in this whole issue that's been going on over the last month or two months now that are on what I'll call the blue side of the table, They're for the police, they're for uh, law, they're for justice, all these things in this way. And they're sitting in this, and there's good people here, and I have to say, there's some extreme people over here as well. But then you go over to this chair, and this would be the chair that I would call the people that believe that black lives really do matter, that African Americans and the issues that are before them really do matter. And no matter what color you are, what race you are, what ethnicity you are, you feel that this is very important. And again, there are people that are way off doing some pretty nasty things, way off here, but there are good and law-abiding citizens that are here, same as there, but they are separated apart. There is a chasm between them. And then there's a third chair here, and many of you are sitting in this chair. And this is the chair of ambivalence. This is the chair of indifference. This is the chair that says, let's just get over it. We've got COVID to worry about. I've got my business to worry about. I've got my family to worry about. I've got my employees to worry about. I've got to put my kids through school, and I've got to worry about that and all those things. And can you guys just get over this? Those are people who are sitting in these chairs 
But this is the way it is in reality. It doesn't even look like this. It's more like this. These people have turned their chair around and are going, I don't want anything to do with this. And these people over here have turned their chair around and we as a culture are no longer communicating with each other. And those who are indifferent have turned their chair around. And so as we walk around and as I talk to people, it's like, turn your chair around. Get your chair around. We've got to get together but it's not happening. And today I want to talk about a personal response. How do you stand in the middle of this and talk to people who are here, talk to people who are here, talk to people who are here, and you are in one of these chairs as well. And how do we bring our community together? Because our communities are being split apart. And we as good people in our communities need to bring them together. And so what I'd like to do is give you four thoughts today, not too long, to talk about, to think about as a personal response. Not here to solve the world's problems, not here to solve even the country's problems, but I'm here to solve and how I can do better. And I would like to help you how you can do better. So four thoughts that I'd like to share today. The first is this, a realization that you and I have blind spots. A realization that you and I have blind spots. Whether you're here supporting this, whether you're here supporting this, whether you're kind of here not caring, we have blind spots. Now the amazing thing about a blind spot is you don't know you have it because you're blind to it. And what really is important to do is to begin to discuss with other people, people that may not agree with you, and go, is this something that is important? Is this something that I'm missing? We're missing things here, my friends. I'm a white guy. You can see it here. I'm a white guy. I don't have any racism in me. I've grown up in a multicultural setting. I've been in over 100 countries. I work with four, in 40 countries in different ethnicities. But can I tell you, I have blind spots. And I know if I have blind spots, you have blind spots. And I'm not criticizing you or pointing the finger, but all of us have these blind spots. So we need to work in these areas and go, no, let's not put our head in the sand. Let's work together to get through these blind spots so that we can come out a stronger nation, a stronger state, a stronger community. Because right now it's starting to fracture away. And we need to bring this thing together. A second area, after blind spots, we have a tendency to label people and to put adjectives in front of people's names. And when you label people and put adjectives in front of their name, you no longer have to treat them the same as you do what I would call your smaller circle. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then someone said, who is my neighbor? And he started to talk about who his, the neighbor is. And what we have found out is everyone is your neighbor. See, we think the person next door, uh, the person across the hallway, the person that works in my company, on my team, they're my neighbors. Well, they are your neighbors. But also other people are your neighbors. But what we have tended to do is to put a name in front of them. You see... An illegal immigrant is not my neighbor, you would say. Well, I would say they are your neighbor, and you have some responsibility to them. Or someone else is not my neighbor. 
the police officer is not my neighbor. Well, I would say he or she is your neighbor because it's important to realize that we got to stop labeling people because when we label them, we put them in a box and we throw them over here, put them in a box, throw them over here, and then our world gets smaller and smaller. And one of the beautiful things about the United States of America, part of what's fracturing it is its diversity. We are many that have come to be one. In our own little church here at Boca Raton Community, we have over 40 nations, first-generation nations represented in our church. That is incredibly diverse. Our teams are diverse, and we love that. But if we started labeling them and, oh, they're this, oh, they're that, then we don't have to treat them. We don't have to deal with them. We just kind of push them aside, and that is wrong. So I would say a personal response is this. Work on your own blind spots. Number two... Work on stop labeling people. Stop putting adjectives in front of their names and going, that's a person. I believe people are made in the image of God, so they're the same as I am. We are brothers and sisters. Pigmentation may be a little different. Language may be a little different. Culture may be a little different. Background may be a little different, but I believe we're all God's children and we need to love each other. Number three. Miles McPherson, who used to be with the San Diego Chargers, a great African-American man, has spoken on the situation he calls in-groups and out-groups. In-groups and out-groups. We all have in-groups and we all have out-groups. I'm a man, I'm in the in-group of men. Here's one, I'm tall. I am in the in-group of tall people. Those of you who are tall know what I'm talking about. You don't get when people come up to you and go, how's the weather up there? You know, when I was a kid, I grew, I had, I had like a couple inches a year there for a while, and I was just, I was like a foot taller than everybody else, and these older people would come up to me and go, how's the weather up there? Now I'm 12, 13 years old, still a concrete thinker, and I'm thinking, these people are idiots. The weather's no different 12 inches up here than it is down here. But they were in the out group, I was in the in group. Those of you who are in the outgroup of tall people don't get how we can't sit in airplanes. Well, now we don't sit at all, but why we can't sit in a normal 19-inch seat or a 17-inch seat, it doesn't work for us because we're in the outgroup. I remember a, a few years ago, I was redesigning something, and I needed chairs, and so the lady who I'd hired to help, she was wonderful, she's online looking, she goes, don't you love these chairs? I go, yes. She goes, well, let's buy them. I go, no. She goes, what do you mean, no? I go, I can't buy a chair that I can't sit in first. She goes, why? Well, she doesn't realize that big people, tall people, have to sit in a chair before they ever buy it because we're in the in-group of tall people. Well, all of you have in-groups. You right-handed people have in-groups. You left-handed people realize that you are in an out-group. All of us have these in-groups and out-groups, and we love our in-groups, don't we? Oh, I love the guys that I work with, and I love the teams, and I love my friends and our family, and I love, of course, they're in my in-group. But those people over there and those people out there and those people I've labeled with adjectives, they're in the out-group. I don't have to love them like I love my in-group. Let me just say this, that if you love people in your out-group as much as you love people in your in-group, this would be a different world. Try it sometime. Take people who are not in your in-group, people who have 
differences with you and become and allow them to become your in-group and have the love. Now, we have differences, so not everybody's going to be in your in-group and your out-group. I'm not saying that. I'm not Pollyanna about this. But we need to have the love, the loving your neighbor as yourself, but also loving people that are in your out-group within group love. So there's blind spots we've got to work on. There's labeling we've got to stop. There's love we need to do for all people, those that aren't in our in-group, but those that are in our out-group. And there are people all over South Florida, there's people all over Boca Raton who are in our out-group that we need to show love in our in-group. And then the fourth area is this. There's an old proverb uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible where God tells his people to do three things. To love justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Justice, mercy, and humility. Can I just say, if we as a people began acting with justice, we began to have mercy, we began to have humility, this would be a different world. What I am finding in this crisis that we are in is that there is anger, there is hatred, there is indifference, there's all these other emotions that are being shouted out. There's this bias, there's this prejudice, there's this, the, the, the treatment of wrong facts. I have my facts. No, I have my facts. All this is going on, and for goodness sakes, couldn't we just have a little dose of humility, a little dose of mercy, and then truly understand justice? It's a new concept, but it's thousands of years old. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Now, easier said than done. Can I just say it? I grew up in Boca Raton. We're here at Boca Raton Community Church. Many of you know where that is because we do Boca Lead. I'm in the Boca Lead room here. I went to elementary school in the closest school that is here, Boca Raton Elementary. My sister went to Boca Raton Elementary. My mother went there. My father went there. We are part of the community of Boca Raton. And back in the late 1960s, uh, we had segregation in this country. I didn't know what that was. I was a child. Boca Raton Elementary was one of the only schools in South Florida naturally integrated. No busing. It was naturally integrated. So we had Latins, we had African Americans, we had Anglo whites, we had all different ethnicities, and we grew up this way. And then they started introducing something called busing. And I said, I thought busing was how you got to school. I rode my bike to school, and I thought some took a bus, so that's what busing was about. I didn't realize busing was about desegregating schools until I got to middle school before that and realized that I was in a segregated school. And as a 12-year-old and as a 13-year-old, I knew that that was wrong. I knew it because of what my parents taught me, but I knew it inherently in me that it was wrong. You see, we are teaching wrong things to people. 
we need to realize that in this country, we all needed to be treated equally. But yet there were times that they were not. And so, throughout my life, I have, and, and can I say this, not with, uh, not well, I had pride that I didn't have pride about being impartial. I had pride that I wasn't a racist. I had pride that I wasn't biased. I had pride that I wasn't prejudiced because I really thought I wasn't. I had blind spots. And I'm going to tell you one of them. About 18 years ago, uh, we had, Elizabeth and I had a son who was very ill. He had big issues, big issues. He had open heart surgery. He was five years old down at Miami Children's Hospital, now Jack Nicholas Hospital, and we were down there. And when, after the surgery was over, when you're after a heart operation, they get the heart started back and they get you off all those pumps and assist device, and they couldn't get them off. So now the operation is over and he's, his heart isn't pumping. And so they put him on this device, and back then they were huge. It was called a left ventricle assist device. And he was bleeding to death, and his heart wouldn't pump. So as they pumped his heart, the blood was seeping out of certain places and into a tube and down into a bucket. It was the most unbelievable, scary thing I've ever seen. And my wife one night, she had been there all day, and I was coming kind of for the night shift, and there in that little room, the ward, and with that rocking chair, that hard wood rocking chair. And the nurses would come, and it was a one nurse to one kid ratio. And there were four nurses prepping for the evening, probably 6, 6.30 in the evening, and there's four nurses. And so I looked at those four nurses, and I bargained with God. My son is dying, and I'm bargaining. So I'm bargaining with God. I said, God, give me one of the three nurses but don't give me the fourth nurse. I'll take any of the three, but not the fourth. And I sat in my chair, and I waited. And as you know, the fourth nurse came in. Now, she was a different ethnicity than the other three. She had gone to a different medical school than the other three. I knew it. I'd done my research. And yet, when she walked in, when she walked in, she did something no one had done for days. Not the doctors, not the other nurses, not the technicians, not the social workers. She said to me, he's going to make it. He's going to make it. And I sat down. I watched this lady for 12 hours all through the night. She didn't go out for a smoke. She didn't go out for a Coke. She didn't go out. I don't even think she went out to go to the bathroom. She sat there. And as she's pumping the plasma in, in those bags just kind of got stacked up and it's leaking out. Every time she put a new bag in, she said, he's going to make it. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. And she worked as hard as she could. And that morning he made it. And the next day he got off that assist device and he lived. But that morning, I got down on my knees and I begged forgiveness to God. You see, I didn't think I have a racist, prejudiced, biased bone in my body, but the reality was I did. And I understood that people are good and people do a good job and the reality of their skin or the reality of their background or the reality of where they emigrated from is irrelevant. And I begged forgiveness. And that's the beautiful thing is 
if you have some issues, there is forgiveness and reconciliation that can come. We as a community are not perfect. We in South Florida are not perfect. You recall some of the things that have occurred in the last 30 or 40 years. We are not perfect. But we need to come with reconciliation, forgiveness, love, justice, mercy, and humility. And if we do it, my friends, we're going to make this a much better place. You and I have an opportunity to be an example as the business community of this town, the business community of this region, to do what is good and what is right. You have people of different ethnicities working in your community of, at your work and in your teams and in your employees. Treat them well. Let's change the narrative of what is happening here. And it is amazing what can happen. And let me just encourage you, in August, August 6 and 7, when we go to the Global Leadership Summit across the street, they are going to be spending time talking about how we can bring people to the table of this conversation, this very conversation. Not a lot's going to be talked about COVID, although probably a little. Not a lot about some of these other things but a lot about racial reconciliation and how we can move forward as a nation. And I'd like us in South Florida and Boca Raton to be the leaders of this. So make it a great day. Go work on your blind spots. Stop labeling people. Show love to the out group as if they were in your in group and be people of justice, mercy, and humility. God bless you and have a great day.